Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. All right, we're back. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you once again for tuning in. As always, I can't thank you enough for believing in me and believing in what we're doing here. And I'm just grateful for this opportunity. I need to thank our sponsors, Siegfried and Jensen, Wasatch Recovery, Thread Wallets, and then uh, the music you heard at the beginning and at the end of this podcast is by my good friend, Paul Cardall. He's an award-winning pianist, uh, amazing man, and thank you, Paul, for letting us use your music. So I can't thank you enough. Today, we're joined by Sean Vieira. Thank you, Sean, for being here. Todd, it's so good to see you again. Yeah. Uh, we saw each other on Good Things Utah a yeah, while back, right. and yep. when I saw you, like, man, I got to get this guy on my show, and so thank you for taking time to be here today. Thanks for having me. It means a lot. Yeah. So. You've been at this for a long time, so I appreciate you allowing me to come on, have a conversation. Hopefully, we help yeah. one or two people along the way. Absolutely. So, Sean... Um, is doing a lot of great things in this world. And I love bringing people on who are out there trying to make a difference. But a little background on Sean. He's a father of five. He's a public speaker. He's a personal coach, brand builder, and healthcare entrepreneur. His his company, Ashby Healthcare, is going on its 14th year. Yeah. That's impressive. (laughs) That's wild, yeah. Yeah, does that blow you away? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you've worked with some big companies. Um, You're doing a lot of good things. you have this hat on here. It says love hard. We're going to talk about that cause and what yeah. you're doing there. And you're doing a lot of great things there. I mean, the list goes on. Um, you know, you've produced reality TV out of Miami, uh, in 2021. Um, your anti-suicide nonprofit, the love hard foundation, um, has imp- impacted over 46,000 people, which is just incredible. Yeah. We're going to get to know more about Sean here. So this is our treat today. So Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, so why don't we start with where did you grow up and tell us maybe a little bit about your childhood. Yeah, I was born in California, San Bernardino. My dad was in the Air Force, so I was born on George Air Force Base. Oh, okay. Recently decommissioned, but born there, and then he transferred to Hill, and so Mm. um, my mom and myself, and I'm the oldest, we moved to Kaysville. Okay. And I spent a couple years there, and then they unfortunately separated which is kind of where my story starts, really. Okay. Uh, he moved back to California and worked with his dad. They had a big powder coating company. Okay. So he went back to work with his father, and he was, you know, he he was uh, out of the Air Force. My mom and I stayed in Kaysville, and the story, the story starts there. Well, let's hear it. Let's hear what happened. I mean, obviously, that's probably a tough thing for a kid to go through. You know, you know. Mom and dad are in different yeah. places, and yeah, was, now what? You I was know? pretty young, so that mm. that part for me, I do remember the day that he left, and I and yeah. I talk about this when I speak because I remember a couple of these really powerful moments, and I just remember him leaving, and you know, to my recollection, smashing one of my toys, you know, kind of throwing it down, and he wasn't violent. Mm. He wasn't. He was yeah. a great guy. Yeah. Um. Obviously, didn't work out with with my mom, and you know that in that heated moment, there was a reaction there that I remember as like a kindergartner or something. And, um, so he moved back to California and my mom now a single mom, my brother and I, so two kids and she was just trying to figure things out. Along comes a family friend who is 10 years younger than she is and 10 years older than I am. So I'm like exactly 20 years apart from my mom. And, you know, I don't, I don't know whether they're dating or he's just trying to help out. He was still in high school at the time. And so, you know, in comes this younger guy. And so I'm hanging out with high school kids all the time as a young kid. And he's helped, you know, helping me stay busy while she's working, trying to figure out life as a newly single mom. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, she, you know, I don't know. I I don't remember how many years it was, but she meets somebody and it felt to me like it moved quickly, but I was a kid. So my my memory just fast forwards to when (laughs) they're getting married and, they come home from their honeymoon and he, our recollection of him changes from who he was before, mm. turns out to be a r- raging alcoholic. And it's hard for me to say that because we're friends now, you know, we've, we've worked past that. Worked through that stuff. Yeah. yeah but that, it was really hard. He, yeah. I mean, just would fly off the handle. Mm. Um, there was a lot of, you know, verbal abuse, physical abuse. It was, it was terrifying. 
And his job took him to Sandy, which is where I went to high school and really grew up as Sandy, Draper, Utah area. Yeah. But that, you know, that part of my life was, was really trying for my brother and I. And we um, ended up adding two siblings. So my brother and sister from that marriage came along, whom I love. Obviously, right. just consider him brother and sister. But right, yeah. Um, so now there's four of us, and you know his his drinking is still continuing, and um, you know he's done a remarkable like turnaround today, and you know is just doing yeah. so well, and and we're friends, like spend holidays together and things like nice. that. But um, it turned into this weird thing where you know I'll just be blunt if that's okay. Please. The family friend, you know, had now been five, six, seven, eight years, ten years that he'd been taking me under his wing and now he was in college. And so I was mm-hmm. hanging out with college kids and hanging out all the time. And the story that I got from him was your mom doesn't want to be around you. She can't handle it. Mm. She's it's too overwhelming. She doesn't want to spend time with you. She can't, she won't whatever. And so I spent a lot of time isolated from my family with this wow. family friend. Okay. And so it was like, for me, it didn't feel abnormal cause I didn't know anything different. Know any he'd different always yeah. taken care of, you know, me like a little brother, I guess you'd say. And, um, there's a lot more emotion that comes up when I talk about this sometimes, yeah. even though I talk about it all the time, Sure. but you know, I had to basically, I had these two things going on and, and three and the third one I didn't realize I was dealing with, which was my dad being gone. Yeah. We'd go visit in the summers and it was, a, it was, it was a ton of fun. Right. And I'd come home and I'd come home to this situation that was, you know, terrifying to be at home with my stepdad. You'd hear his footsteps upstairs and you knew you you're know, right there you, were, ho- you were hoping yeah. in the morning that he had to work that day mm. and it was either be there and my mom was at work a, a bunch yeah or it was you know go hang out with this nice guy who right. seemed to always you know get whatever i needed and mm-hmm. and whatnot yeah and i just believed that my mom was too busy she didn't have an interest i didn't think too much about it so i ended up spending a lot of time with this family friend and you know basically that like these two things collide where things just get so bad with my stepdad that a neighbor has to come over and pry him off of my brother. And so he he and I, he and this neighbor friend of mine, um, you know, pried him off my brother. My brother takes off up the street and, you know, I basically locked my siblings away until my mom got home and I said, it's, it's him or us. Mm. I'll figure out how to hotwire the minivan and drive it to Kaysville. You're right. Or he goes. And so she, you know, she addressed that and, um, it was good, good for everybody, I think. But at the same time, after, you know, so many years, a decade or more with this family friend, he sexually assaults me. Mm. And how old were you at this time? 13, 14, wow. around there. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that's interesting is a man to even say that. And it's why right. I do say it yeah. because I want to give permission to other people. To, yeah. to talk about it, yeah. to know that they're okay. Although that it's happened and it really has nothing to do with them and their self-worth does not need to be destroyed. Right. But it's still hard to say. There's a lot of emotion behind it. Yeah. But I didn't, you know, I didn't allow it to continue, but I also didn't freak out about it. I think for me, I'm just like, I'm just going to pretend like it didn't happen. Right. He ended up changing his name and moving out of the state. And so I didn't have to deal with him anymore, which I figured was a win. And I just, I didn't tell, any, sure. I didn't tell anybody. I told nobody. Wow. So, but, but he leaves the state abruptly and my stepdad's gone. My, my stepdad was really good at tearing you down. And his mom, grandma, to right. us, yeah. was even better. And so there was a time up at Belgian Waffle, you know, by oh yeah, the old Belgian Waffle, school, right? Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, Grandma wants to have breakfast there, and so I'm thinking this is great waffles with Grandma. I get dropped off or you know whatever, and so it's just she and I, and she basically sits down and has a 30 minute conversation telling me how worthless I am how, what a bad student I am. And that she basically just, she's like, we can't have this in this family. Like, what are we going to do with you? And 
and again, like I didn't, I didn't freak out. I didn't like, you know, put my right. hand down on the table and say, this is uncalled for. I was probably around 13, 14 again. Right. So all these things are happening to wow. me and it just continued to happen. I mean, it was just from five years old until about 15 where that was just my life. Yeah. Neglect, abuse, abandonment, manipulation, sexual assault, physical abuse. Jeez. And my, you know, my stepdad's now gone. The sexual assailant is gone and I feel like, okay, I can breathe again. Mm-hmm. And my dad moves from California to Utah. So I'm like, this is great. Yeah. Dad's back. And he was friends with my mom. So they got along well. He was at my mom's house all the time, my childhood home. And I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Life's back to normal. And he would take me. He was a phenomenal mechanic. That's what he did in the Air Force. So he was fixing up Harleys and Hondas. And Mm. we'd have, you know, he'd drop me off at a friend's house, which which I finally had like a good group of friends right around then. So... You know, I'd get dropped off at a girlfriend's house or a friend's house on his gold wing. And it was yeah. just, I'm like, this is awesome. This is yeah, great. this is great. Yeah. <laughs> and about a year later, he takes his life. Oh, wow. So from five to 15, my life was absolute chaos, devastation, confusion. Wow. And if you imagine, like, I don't know if you've ever been around like an explosion, but you can feel the repercussion mm-hmm. and your ears just ring for as mm-hmm. long as you can remember. Right. That was sort of the state that I was in for most of my childhood was like, right. my ears are ringing. My vision's a little blurry. I'm just surviving, but I don't know any different. So I don't know that I should yeah. feel different. You're not talking about it with anyone. You're yeah, just not, going, you're I'm just having conversations. You're just trudging tonight. through it. Right. And, yeah. and so, um, d- devastating to lose my dad like that yeah. because he was such a good guy. Right. He wasn't around a lot. But there was also no abuse. There was no, yeah. I mean, he was just a good, good dude. Dressed horribly. Well, especially after he had, what he you'd no been, style. yeah, after you had, what you'd been through, the abuse and stuff, and then he comes back into your life. Yeah. This good guy. Yeah. Finally have it, and then this happens. Yeah, great guy. Yeah. Goofy dresser. He had zero <laughs> style. But, um, yeah. And, and, the, and the devastation was just immense. Like, you know, I couldn't, I was supposed to do the eulogy mm. um, at, at, right. his, at his service, and I, and I couldn't get through it. And so I hear, I, I wasn't, you know, the predominant religion where we're from is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. And I, I was aware of it. My grandparents were very active. Right. My mom was kind of the black sheep. She took off with my, you know, Air Force dad. Right, and got yeah. married and, and took <laughs> off. So they weren't active. But I, w- I, I knew plenty of it. I played church ball. My church ball stat line was insane. Like that was how I knew the church. <laughs> what is it, What do they say? A brawl that starts with a prayer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> So, I, you know, I hung out with the kids and yeah. I'd go to church every once in a while just to get out of the house and scout camp right. stuff. But, you know, I wasn't real active. And so my dad passes away and my senior year in high school was awesome. A bunch of LDS kids, as they're called, but not supposed to be called. But they swoop in and take me under their wing. They're like, hey, you're with us now. So I was a part mm. instantly of this po- super popular group at yeah. high school. Right. These kids are amazing. Some of them are still my friends today. And, and really did have a, you know, phenomenal impact on me, kind of dropping my guard towards religion, which I didn't really have an opinion either right. way until then, other than, you know, um, feeling a little bit of pressure to always go. Yeah, right. So I, I, I like see, see them going on missions and I'm like, man, if the church is giving away free vacations for two years, <laughs> I'm in, I'm doing it. Like I need to get out of yeah, this place. You know, I'm doing this. for me, Utah was this, this history of devastation. Yeah. So I'm like, right. I'm out of here. I yeah. don't care where I go. And, and also feeling like the black sheep as a kid for so long. Mm. I'm like, this is a way for me to do something good. Cause I barely graduated high school. Right. So this was like, Hey, maybe, maybe I won't be the black sheep anymore if I do what everyone else is doing. So I'll, I'll tell you, it wasn't necessarily a, hey, I want to go help people. I didn't even know that's what you did. Right. I literally just thought I get it a little bit. Like I understand I've seen yeah. the missionaries. They've come over before, before I got baptized right. at 14 because okay. my grandparents wanted me to. Do yeah. It. Right. So go to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. It was mm. amazing. I yeah. fall in love with helping people. I get, you know, I clear my head after about a year and a half. My, my ears are still ringing for a year and a half on my mission. Yeah. Struggling to learn the language. I finally do, man, but I loved Brazil. The people are amazing. And the perspective I gained was just, they, they had nothing monetarily but they were so happy and they'd give you what little they did have, like the literal right. shirt off their back yeah, without a second thought about it. Right. So that, that, you know, 
living with some of the, um, the, you know, the natives, like you, you get Brazilian companions and things like that. That was amazing. Getting to know the people and just getting away was amazing. And then I had all these religious experiences, one or two really powerful ones towards the end of my mission. And I'm like, man, there's a, you know, there, there's this spark of hope and happiness and joy. And I couldn't really metabolize it fully other than I just know I had a powerful experience. Right. And so I, I come home and I do exactly what they tell you to do. I get married right away. <laughs> yeah. I nailed that. Right. Yeah. I meet, uh, meet back up with this incredible young woman at the time mm-hmm. and we get married. And shortly thereafter, uh, we have our first baby and we are good at having yeah. babies. So we have yeah. like five <laughs> right away. Yeah. And it just, you know, it, I never really took time to take inventory of what had happened or my childhood. I was, I was, I wasn't addicted to anything. Right. I had no substance abuse. I wasn't violent. There was, you know, I was like, well, I'm okay. However, my brother, he leaned to drugs. Mm -hmm. So he's been a heroin addict for 20 something years. It's been really rough for him. Yeah. Sure. And, and so I started to see a contrast of how people metabolize trauma and, you know, kind of catching up to where we are today when, you know, the, the marriage, we were young, we didn't know who we were. And I certainly had things I needed to work through. So, you know, she had been born and raised in the church and, and I'm like, well, I, f- I think I've found my people, right? Like I went on a mission, so I'm accepted in that way and I'm going to church every Sunday. So that's great. But I realized down the road that I'd never taken time to figure out who I am, what I want, right. what I believe. Yeah. I just blindly followed a religion. Yeah. And so I, you know, I didn't know. If I, yeah, right. like what I wanted and what I didn't want, what was okay with me? What were my moral standards? What, what did mm-hmm. I stand for believing and, and really yeah. want to, you know, pursue and, and what felt right to me inside. And so, you know, I had a bunch of callings and I coached kids sports and I started to build some businesses and had some really incredible ex- experiences professionally. And as a family, I feel like things were pretty awesome. And I was just grateful that I'm like, man, I, I feel like I've beat this. And when I would go to therapy, I'd go to a counselor, Right. they were like, I can't believe you're walking. I can't believe you're not a statistic. I can't believe you're not in the gutter or dead. I was just thinking the same thing as you're sharing this story. Well, you know how you did what you did. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. And I feel so lucky, but after so many bishops and so many therapists Mm -hmm. would say this to me and they're, and and then eventually they're like, I don't know that you need to keep coming here to, you know, I think, I think in, in the relationship, it was like, if you've done something, you need to go to every Bishop, every time we move, and say every kind of go back and just let them know the things you've struggled with. Yeah. And you know, I had viewed pornography. I wouldn't call it an addiction. And that was sort of the thing that I felt like was held over my head and, Mm. and, you know, just didn't feel like a safe environment to share shortcomings or shortfalls in my relationship. And so I started to hide all of those things and it, you know, caused a wedge and, and all those things. And finally a Bishop just said, never come back here, never come back to repent to me you're good. Mm. And I want to be clear. He didn't say, don't come back to the yeah, church. Took me he said, don't second. come back to my office. Right. And that's when I'm like, man, I really feel the acceptance and the love that they actually preach in the church Yeah. instead of this, you know, heavy handedness and, right. and guilt and shame. And so, you know, fast forward, we have all these babies. It's amazing. And there's some more turbulence in the marriage to the point where I feel like, I don't know if this is the best environment for she and I to be in. And I don't think we're showing up right. as the best versions of ourselves for our kids. Oh wow! And so we go to therapy, and we go to um, and I find that's where I find trauma therapy, which is sort of the genesis of the foundation. Yeah. And that that trauma therapy absolutely changed my life. The impact that it had in getting through the turbulence that I was suffering from from a, a lifetime of things, but also the you know it was really the marital struggles that actually messed me up the most. Some of the things that we Mm. went through and some of the things that had happened and I'm like, I'm not okay. I have too many employees in the healthcare company at this point Yeah, right. that are counting on me. All my, my five kids are counting on me. And more importantly, I'm counting on me. Right. If I'm not around and I can never do to my kids what my, what my dad did. And there's no judgment there, but I'm like, you know, suicide doesn't just take the person that ends their life. Mm, Yeah. It takes everybody else around them with them. Right. And I, and I, so I knew, you know, for me, I'm like, that, that's not really a real consideration for me. I've got to get through this trauma so that I can be there for my kids and so that I can, you know, keep these people employed. And so I decided, um, I could suffer in silence, 
but I, but I can't be okay in silence. And I knew other men were suffering. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to go on LinkedIn and I'm just going to talk about my dad's death by suicide. And mm. I'm going to talk about mental health and I'm going to talk about therapy. And it got picked up by a production company in Miami. And they said, hey, we're casting for a show to end world hunger and, and education problems and things like suicide. And I said, I'm interested to do it if I can try to end suicide. If this can be right. a, a place, not just yeah. to curb it or put up more billboards, right. but to end it forever. Yeah. And that was the challenge of the show. And so that was like a two-year project. I was in Miami for a little while doing that. And it was amazing. And I realized how many, how many men felt the way that I felt for so long. Different yeah. circumstances. Sure. Some of them very similar, mm -hmm. whether it's guilt or shame from a religion, whether it's uh, being impacted by a suicide, being suicidal themselves, whatever it may be, I realized yeah. I cannot suffer in silence. I need to let people know, despite getting divorced, despite losing my dad to suicide, despite being abused yeah. and sexually assaulted and all these things, that I was so happy. I'd never been more happy than when I decided yeah. to find out who I was and, wow. and challenge everything that I've kind of, right. you know, been told. And I, I love my ex-wife. She's an amazing woman, but that was probably the best thing that's ever happened to both of us as individuals is to move on from that relationship and move into a co-parenting relationship. Yeah. And I think that we've both grown so much. It was a really difficult oh, yeah. divorce. It's yeah. been three years it's, and we're actually not done, yeah. Yeah. but yeah, our kids, I think our kids are coming around now mm -hmm. and I, I just, I encourage men now when I speak and, and it's mm -hmm. kind of evolved my message, but to be the shining example of what happens when you don't give up. Right. And that the best part of your life comes after the challenge. And so yeah. in the foundation, our tagline is transforming trauma into triumph mm. and using it as jet fuel, right? It's like a slingshot. Yeah. When I'm talking to kids, I'll say, yeah. it's like, you know, think of a slingshot, the further it gets stretched back, the better trajectory, yeah. the further you can go. I love that, yeah. And so, you know, if you don't have very many challenges, <laughs> yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll go somewhere. Yeah. But man, the perspective that you gain and the gratitude and, yeah. and just your sheer force, you come this, un, you know, you, you can become an unshakable version of yourself yeah. if you allow all these things to fortify you. And so. I love that. I, I, I'll tell my clients all the time who are dealing with, you know, addiction, trauma, abuse, you name it. And I'll always say addiction and adversity is the wake up call to your greatness. Yeah. yeah. And and really that's what you're saying because look at what you're doing now. You never would have been doing any of this exactly. had you not gone through what you went through. It, it's unfortunate you had to go through that. But is it? But you, but it's not when you look at the bigger yeah. picture. And that that's the right? thing that we challenge yeah. is was it bad or was it the exact thing that needed to happen? Yeah. In some way. You know, I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it all yet. I don't understand like the yeah. master plan. Yeah. But I think, you know, I'm like, I can, how do I make sense of all of this? My life. Mm -hmm. I could just accept that I got dealt a bad hand and God hates me and I'm just supposed to be a loser. Because right. there's so much evidence for that. Right. I, I could back that up all day in my mind. And I realized, yeah. honestly, it was my kids. I'm like, it's this is not going to serve my kids for me to be a victim. I'm going to teach them how to become a victim. Yep. I'm going, uh, you know, what, what does happen if I give up? Do I start drinking myself to death? Is it substance abuse? Is it a pornography addiction? Mm -hmm. What can come of me sort of giving up? Right. And so in a weird way, I'm, I like get stronger every time something happens and I don't want more bad things to happen. Right. But I have this perspective of gratitude that, you know, kids make a huge mess and they've broken something we've just purchased. Does it frustrate me? Yes. However, and all the people that I've been able to meet, and it's tens of thousands, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. I get to hear the stories of the ones that have lost the kid, lost yeah. the child, lost mm. the, the spouse. Well, yeah. And so I'm like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm happier here breaking the TV. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, you know, I'm grateful for it. My five-year-old sleeps in bed with me when he's with me. Cutest kid. Awful partner to have in bed. He kicks, <laughs> he flails. But man, I'm so grateful. your face. I'm so, yeah, I'm so <laughs> grateful that I don't sleep when yeah. he's here because yeah. he's here. Yeah. So I it's think a good there, perspective, yeah, there's right? a massive opportunity, you know, to, not only to help others, but just to like be so happy every day. Right. And I'm telling you, I didn't know what happiness was for like the first 30 years of my life. Mm. True happiness, wow. feeling settled. And it's not about 
it's really about nothing else other than loving yourself, self-acceptance, self-love. Right. And honestly, you know, accountability. I think those are the things that, that I was able to gain and go, you know what, all of this, my life now as an adult is literally just a result of who I am and who I'm not. And I control so much of it and the things that I can't, you you know, it's hard, but you've got to learn to just let those things go. So beautifully said, thank you for sharing. Um, what, so why do you say love hard? Like what, what does that exactly mean? Not a lot of people ask, they're like, I love your logo. I love, I love, love hard. And not a lot of people ask what it means. Yeah. And you know, I wanted something because I'm that friend, I'm that man that will tell my, my other, my homies, my guy friends, right. As I'm getting off the phone, Hey, I love you. Or I'll text them. Hey, I love you, man. Yeah. I love you. And most of them are like, uh, uh, okay, man. See you later. (laughs) <laughs> and, but, but I want to challenge that as men, right? Yeah, right. Because I'm like, you, you need to love hard. What happens when you do go and there's no time on the clock. It's triple right. zeros. Your life yeah. is over yeah. and you don't have the chance to go back and love your spouse hard and show up and, you know, not sit on the couch when you get home, but clean up after and throw your arms around her, do the same to your kids, you know, not take the nap, but get out the Uno cards or the baseball. And it's about loving people as hard as you possibly can. So they know no matter what happens and no matter when your time comes that Mm -hmm. they were loved by you. Yeah. And it comes, I mean, there's, there's several meanings, but that that's the biggest one is just to love as hard as you can. The other one is to love when it's hard. So, Mm, yeah, you know, they, they say, love your enemy. Yeah. (laughs) I've had a few opportunities to do that. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, you know, I would say good friends with my stepfather who, who was abusive and, um, we go to Utah football games together. We, you know, we both had tickets, so we'd see each other and hang out there. I've invited into my home. We had nowhere to go for Christmas. And now, you know, everything's behind us. We show up, there's no animosity. And I've had other opportunities to do that. And I'm like, I, no one's, no one's hurting when I'm mad at them or I hate them except for me. Right. It does me no good. And I don't feel good. Right. It's just not the fabric that I'm cut from. And so I'm like, well, I can, I can kind of, you know, I can kind of, overcome this myself because mm-hmm. they don't care if I'm happy or sad. They don't care if I'm in my basement, wasting my life away, watching movies and eating junk right, food. Right. Or if I'm out, you know, transforming all of this to go, Hey, this is, you know, this is something where it is going to put me on a stage to be able to help save one dad yeah, or one mom or encourage one youth to yeah. not quit on everything. Right. And so it's about loving when it's hard. And then all of that's reversed back to yourself. You have to love yourself hard. You have to forgive yourself. You've got to put, you've got to put in the work to eat well, to get to the gym and, and be active, right. to learn as much as you can, to go to therapy because it's right. our responsibility and obligation. Yeah. It's nobody else's to fix yeah. ourselves, to address the things that we know are holding us back. And it's so easy to say, I'm a victim of all of these things because of all of these reasons. Right. So I deserve to drink myself to death. Right. I deserve to sedate myself with drugs and pornography and sex addictions and all these other things because look at what I've done. Look what's happened to me. And there's no power in that. It's a wasted life. Right. And so it's really just an encouragement to love yourself hard, love, love others hard and love, love you, excuse me, and others as hard as you possibly can. Oh man, that's beautifully said. And, and I think, you know, you probably hear this a lot too. I know with my clientele, it's, you know, it seems like it's easier for them to love others, but to love themselves, yeah. they struggle with crazy? it. You know, I, I'll say this often, like, you know, because I deal with a lot of addicts, I'll say, what's your drug of choice? And they'll say heroin, right? And I'll say, you know, would you give heroin to your three-year-old daughter? And they're like, absolutely not. Yeah. And I'll ask them why. And eventually I get them to, because you, and they go, because I love them. And I'll say, hold on for a minute. So you would never in a million years give heroin to your daughter because you love her that much. And then I'll say, when you love you on the level you love her is when you'll never put that in your body either. And it's like this light bulb clicks. And I said, that's why you're here. We're here to help you get to that point. So when you love you on that level. So that's amazing. It just fits with what you're doing. That's, man. that's, that's a secret. As a foundation, yeah. we donate money to school districts. So mm. we'll help curb the budgetary shortfall for mental health initiatives. I worked on the governor's board of mental health. I worked nice. with a couple of mayors just in, you know, spreading awareness and, and trying to shore up where they're like, Hey, you know, what do we do and how do we do it? Yeah. And so in 2022, we positively impacted 46,000 people. That's amazing. 
this year it was really a preparation year for us because we learned so much last year yeah. that the parents, we, we dealt with a lot of kids in school districts. We donated you know, around $20,000 to Weber School District to bring trauma therapy into the schools mm. at no cost to parents, students, or the administration. So they're reporting that it's amazing. The students love it. They have kind of a new set of eyes to be able to look at Timmy or Johnny or Jane and right. say, hey, so- something... I'm trained now to notice something's off, but the trauma therapy actually eliminates the physical and emotional pain left behind by the trauma. So instead mm. of just talking for a minute and right. feeling okay for 15 right. minutes while yeah. I'm with you, right. they leave after having undergone, it's a very, they don't, they don't have to, this type of modality, they don't have to relive the trauma. They don't have to talk about it. All they have to do is think about what's triggering them, what's hurting them, what's causing the anxiety, the pain, and, you know, you probably know about it, but the eye movement therapy yeah. allows the brain to sort of process that out. Yeah, the EMDR. So these kids are, yeah. they're leaving better yeah, it's amazing. than they came. And, um, and and outside of helping school districts, we are now answering the call that we got thousands of times last year for the parents. Hey, I love what you're doing. Please don't stop doing what you're doing in our schools. Don't stop doing what you're doing with trauma therapy for, for youth and adults. But now we've realized even after an amazing assembly, they're going home to homes where the parents aren't healed. Right. Back to the environment right. that's causing and which most is the, of this. Which is the most influential environment. For sure. Even though they are, they do spend so much time in, our, in the schools. Right. All of that can be undone when mom and dad, even good parents, don't make their kids feel seen, heard, loved, accepted. And that's why you're seeing, you know, and I've had so many really incredible men come to me, take me to breakfast, take me to dinner to want, you know, they want to learn more about it and they share their story and they'll say, I'm the reason my 16 year old son attempted suicide. I put the pressure on him. I didn't let him be him. I wanted him to fit a mold that I had in my mind Yeah. because we have the nicest house on the street and I'm the this and I own this company and I do these things and not in this family. Is this going to happen? You can't be gay. You can't not be an attorney. And so a lot of these men who want to contribute are so brave in coming forward and saying, we'll do whatever we can to help this financially. You know, how, how can we help? Because I realize what you're doing in helping these parents is has the potential to save lives. Yeah. And so if, if dad's okay, if dad's reprogrammed, if mom's reprogrammed, then they have the best opportunity to not pass on the generational trauma to their kids. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. I love that. The governor and his team, it's really his team. He's asked, so what's the solution, right? That's kind of what we debate on these calls and rolled out the, the Utah, the, the safe Utah app or different versions of the app. But, um, we were working on that last year and some of the conversations were, so what's the actual solution? And they looked at me and I looked behind me. I'm like, Oh, you're asking me. I'm like, (laughs) I'm just some guy who's sharing his story all the time, (laughs) you know, trying to give money to schools. Right. Right. And, and I realized, I said, if you ask me, I would 10x down on the solution is what we're doing now with adults with the coaching and mentoring that we have available. Mm-hmm. Um, we have incredible coaches, Emily Gibson, James Hadlock. We have something yes. that we're just bringing in yeah. from Nashville. That's the most impactful thing I've ever been a part of. It's called the program. It's, it's so many things, but what I just experienced, I was speaking in St. George at this event, but I was also, uh-huh. I went through this boot camp, and man, it, it pushes you in a way to figure out how are you lying to yourself? Mm. Where are you cutting corners? Right. Where are you giving up when it gets a little bit hard? What are you not dealing with? What stories are you telling yourself yeah. to make you feel unworthy of the love of your spouse, to make you feel unworthy mm. of the success you might ex- be experiencing or the yeah. love of your kids or the love of yourself? Yeah. And what, like you said, once you break that down, and, and this is so well engineered that the 50 people I experienced this with, I think will be lifelong friends right. after going through this. Yeah. But in two and a half days, the breakthroughs that occurred, life-changing breakthroughs through all these different evolutions and, and things yeah. that they've done. I got to the point, where, and I love therapy, and I love, right. yeah. I've done all different modalities. I'm, mm-hmm. in, I'm in this space. I talk about it all the time. This was by far the most impactful event of, and I know a lot of incredible humans doing a lot of incredible things. I'm like, everybody needs access to this, right. this program. Yeah. Because men broke down and they eliminated the stories they've been telling themselves that are holding themselves back. And it sounds simple. Maybe it sounds cliche, 
But when you can show up at home and you love yourself, yeah, the impact on your spouse, significant other, or your kids is off the charts. Right. I've been back a week and I'll tell you now I get chills <laughs> talking about it. Yeah. But my, and I've always had a great relationship with my kids. Sure. But my ability to connect with humans is a hundred X what it used to be. Employees, friends, wow. um, my kids. And, and honestly, it's because I've forgiven. This gave me the ability to forgive myself yeah, and forgive on a deeper level the other people that I needed to that I thought that I had already had. And in, in doing so, I trust myself more. I love myself more. And there's almost nothing standing in between me and having a, an extremely vulnerable connection of acceptance and love and reciprocity. So, wow. so my kids have That's seen amazing. it and experienced it. Sure. They can, my house just feels different. The vibration is different. My yeah. employees are reporting back. They're like, this is the guy that we remember. This is the one I'd run through the <laughs> right. wall, wall for. Yeah. And normally I'm like, oh, that's great. As as a CEO, I'd love to hear you run through a wall for me. Right. And now I'm like, but hold on. Actually, I want you to run through a wall for you. Mm. And that's, I think, the perspective that wow. this. So we're bringing, it was in St. George. Now we're going to bring it to Salt Lake. Nice. It's such an incredible platform for people to really just take an inward look and hold a mirror in front of your face and kind of go, huh, what? Yeah. What changes do I need to make? But they right. give you this empowerment to be able to do so. And That's I feel beautiful. like this. So we're, we're kind of partnering up to bring this in, in addition to the other things that we do. And I couldn't be more excited. Very cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Sounds amazing. Yeah. And I'm all big about, you know, the story we tell ourselves. Um, the most powerful force in the human psyche is the story or the way we describe ourselves to ourselves. And, yeah. and, and the story is either you know, causing you all kinds of suffering and pain or the story is setting you free and you're living your authentic self and, right. and showing up at home, like you said. And, and I was thinking about when you do show up like that at home, it's like you feel this authentic connection with yeah. your family. I mean, what better connection no, is there it. out there? That's it. Right? But if you're coming home and you're down, depressed, don't like yourself, then what you do is you usually isolate at home, you're stuck on your phone doing this the whole time, whatever yeah. it may be. Therefore... What does that perpetuate? Just more depression, more anxiety. You know, the list right. goes yeah. on, right? Yeah, it's this vicious cycle. Yeah, I think you know. I say a lot to people because I I'm in senior healthcare. It's what that's what we do. Right. Acute care, end of life care. Yeah, and so I have this blessing, this opportunity to see people at the end of their life mm. and capture data. Oh wow! Are they happy? Is are they full of regret, man? Mm. And to go to work every day with a reminder <laughs> that right. one day, like. There is no more time on the clock. Right. It's really pushed me to say yes to going on TV, to say yes to pushing the foundation forward to, yeah. you know, jump off this 400 foot cliff with a jazz bear in Moab. All the things <laughs> where I'm, I'm telling you how much I love my comfort zone. I love my comfort zone going yeah. out of it. I'm like, well, Hey, I, yeah. I make okay money. You know, we're pretty comfortable. I don't need to get up at four in the morning to meet the jazz bear in Moab to jump off this cliff. <laughs> I want to do it in the moment. I'm like, that sounds yeah. exciting. Yeah, that sounds great. And then the day of, I but always, whether it's going on TV, I'm like, oh, so yeah. much more comfortable here. Yeah. But, you know, th this this fear of mine and, yeah. and the tagline is one life, no regrets. And if mm. you can just take the approach of getting out of your own way, addressing your trauma, I, I mean, I can tell you now, I could die today. And be and have no regrets. Wow. Not that I've figured everything out. Sure. Not that I don't regret certain right. things. But I know that I'm living. And the biggest blessing is I'm able to live an authentic day, day yeah. by day, right. just one at a time. Yeah. And I can be as present as humanly possible. I'm still working. I'm still trying to get better. I'm still asking myself every day, where am I lying to myself? Where am I cutting myself short? Where am I cutting corners in my life? But, but I think you win life. I think that you win all of life if you figure out self-acceptance. Right. If that's all that you do in this life is figure out how to accept and love yourself, I think that's it. It's game over. I because agree. the rest of the dominoes fall behind Couldn't that. agree more. Yeah. I often say love of self will prove to be the most powerful antidote over any unwanted or addictive behaviors, period. Yeah. You know? It, it feels like we have a similar obsession to just help Absolutely. as many people as we can. No, I'm with you. And I love what you do, honestly. And I'm I'm impressed. And I'm, I'm getting chills as you talk about it. And I want to know more. And I want to... I mean, I could How talk many to hours you. Do we have? Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. Well, and I do. I don't. I hate to shift gears, but I want to shift gears just a little yeah. bit. Um, you obviously take good care of yourself. Talk about how important that is, because 
I can't reference the exact study, so forgive me because I'm all I I, I yeah. hate throwing out stuff yeah, yeah, just yeah. to throw out stuff. But there was a study done in Australia where they they found out that dealing with depression that exercise is 1.5 times more effective than actual therapy and counseling. Yeah. So think about that. Yeah. Just going out and moving and exercising mm-hmm. and taking care of yourself in that way is more effective than you actually going to treatment or, mm-hmm. or therapy. Not that that's bad. Obviously, right. it's good. Yeah. But that tells you how important that is. And it obviously is very important to you as well. Yeah. So what I love about this group that we're working with out of Nashville is we literally speak the same language. Right. It's faith, family, fitness, and finance. Mm. And so, you know, I don't think that you can be authentically happy if you have a pile of money and an right. empire and you're not healthy physically. Right. Yeah. For one, there's, there's like the physiology of it where if you're not feeding your brain and your body, you can't feel optimized. You Absolutely. just can't. Right. right. Yeah. So for me, what's interesting in your question is it wasn't therapy that came first for me. It was mm. eating macro perfect for a year. I think it was a trauma response. Cause I, oh, wow. I had the best dad bod on the planet for a year. Oh yeah. So I was super soft. It was Dr. Pepper and hostess for me. <laughs> And then this trauma happens as a, you know, in my marriage and, and I'm, and I'm eating literally macro perfect now I'm obsessed with fitness. Right. So I get a meal plan. Yeah. I get a nutrition plan or a, a, a exercise plan. I go get my blood drawn. I notice my hormones are low. So I get on testosterone to boost me back up to where I should be. Right. And I learn about peptides, which are amazing. And, but then I start eating well, probably for the first time in my life, mm. eating whole foods, right. learning about macronutrients, phytonutrients. Now I'm a nerd about this stuff. <laughs> I don't know a lot, but I love learning about it. Yeah. I know, I know that that was what, you know, eat, I was, I'm not kidding for one year, not a, not a chocolate chip. If it wasn't in my meal plan and the yeah. macros weren't counted out, it didn't happen <laughs> on vacations. That's amazing. Pal, there was That's like amazing. very, very, very few cheat right. meals. Right. And so I did that and I also worked my butt off in the gym. I'd go with my sure. with my wife at the time yeah. uh-huh. and we'd go for like two hours hard in the morning, wow. like five to seven. Dang. And that gave me the confidence. You know, think about walking into a meeting with the CEO of a hospital to win business from them as a heavy guy, right. frumpy clothes. I, yeah. I felt like I was dressing like as 80-year-old as a 35-year-old. It was like baggy clothes. I'm like, yeah. oh, what was I doing? I, was, I, can't, the same, I, I was the same no I'd style love, dad as like my dad. That's why I referenced it. I'm like, I was that, I was that guy for a minute. I'd love to see a picture of that because no, I can't don't. imagine I that. I can't. That's, <laughs> that's hard for me to dig out. But, but then you walk in and without trying to be your typical, you know, meathead yeah. or whatever, yeah. you just walk in with a different confidence. And it's, yeah. I think, the discipline, but you also feel better. So I was sleeping better for the first time in a long time because I was pushing my body also having a balanced, you know, hormone set and a diet right. gives yeah. you the ability to actually put yourself in a position to sleep well. Sleep yeah. is super, super important. Right. So um, a lot of water, no more Dr. Pepper, eating like whole foods. And then I'm working my butt off in the gym and all of a sudden I'm the fit guy at the gym. And it gives me the, the self-confidence, honestly, to go stare down all my demons in therapy. So that's, there it is. Because look what it does. When you're overweight, not feeling good about yourself, yeah. your confidence goes way down. Yeah, and I know some people do it. I've seen these incredible men and women for who sure haven't figured that part out yet. But I'm telling you, for me, no, I, it's an important I'm, question. I'm so with you. That for me yeah. was the ignition. Yeah. Was the spark that was that, and that's why I, I'm not necessarily a fitness trainer or instructor, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I talk about it a lot and I post yeah. about it a lot. One because. I think it's it could become unhealthy, and for a minute, right? I do think there's some body dysmorphia going on with me, and I do think mm-hmm. there's a comparison game going on. Yeah, and that that I had to figure that out. I still struggle with it. Of like, you know, I'm cutting corners, but I'm not telling myself that I'm cutting corners. I'm like, I should look better. I should feel better. I should have you know less body fat. Especially, you know, I, I feel like I'm here the same time as this guy every day. And this guy looks amazing. And look at me. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? And so, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's so powerful. You know, one, because you're just giving yourself an opportunity physiologically and mentally to feel well in the first place. Right. But then, but then when you go in and you're like, you add in a good nutrition plan and an exercise plan and you're sleeping well, and then you unwind your trauma, regardless of what it is, then you just feel, and that's why I say, I feel like I'm unshakable. Yeah, I, I feel like there's, sure. there's not much that could happen and trust 
you and trust me, I don't want anything to happen. Right. Right. But I feel like yeah. I have a perspective of gratitude. Yeah. I and love it. I'm capable of handling almost anything that comes my way. Yeah. And what were the F's again? Fa uh, Faith, family, fitness, and finance. Oh, I love that. Love it's the that. same. It's the same with your money. I think you know. Yeah. And, and these are things I'm still learning, right? Yeah. There's. I was never taught these things. I was never taught how to guard and manage a credit score. I I did that really well, but post divorce, it's a completely different game. Yeah, and so I'm, now I'm like really entrenched in in mastering finances and mastering that strategy because, you know, I, I'm a huge car guy. My kid's a, a car photographer, exotic car, and not he's getting mm -hmm. into jets and stuff. So my dad passed that down to us. And I'd love a Ferrari or a Lambo or a McLaren. I realize now that's where I was aiming. If I didn't have those things, yeah. I wasn't happy. And now I feel like I'd love those things for the sake of I love them. Yeah. But I'm not I'm not as obsessed, obsessed with them. What as I am, much. what I do want to leave behind. It, I just want security and I want time. Yeah. That's now it's like, OK, why do I want to make this money? And it's really to buy my time back. It's yeah. not to buy. In fact, my kids ask me, what's your dream car? And I'm like, honestly, it's like a Honda Civic, something that I can just <laughs> yeah. pay off. I mean, I, yeah. I drive a Bronco and I love it. But if I can have my time back and travel with my kids and not yeah. miss their games and not right. feel stressed out from work, I, that's, I'm like, how can we help people make a lot of money and then be a good steward over it? Exactly. To give them freedom, to give them happiness and eliminate the anxiety that comes from financial distress too. Wow. Wow. Very well said. If someone wants to know more about Love Hard and get involved with you or get involved with the foundation or yeah. even reaching out to you and, and, you know, getting some coaching tips and all that stuff. Sure. How would they do that? What's the best way? Um, I'm sure you'll drop my handles in the Absolutely. Okay. As I forget them, it's Sean.Viera.MentalHealth <laughs> is my I'm putting you on one. the spot here. <laughs> I know. So Sean.Viera.MentalHealth or Mental Fitness um, because I want, the, I want yes. both. It was mental health yeah. for a while. So Sean.Viera.MentalFitness and then at Love dot hard one four three mm. put them in put them in we'll the, put them in the yeah we'll yeah, be in the show it notes can get confusing yep. you can also go to let's love hard.org okay and that's the foundation's website gotcha um, a lot of exciting things this has been a year of taking everything we learned in our first year which we launched in january 2022 right impacted forty six thousand in our first year it was a whirlwind it which was is amazing. amazing yeah and this year we're like okay let's be really intentional about what we do next so we've been retooling staying active, but retooling everything that we're doing. So come October and November, we have some really exciting things that we're oh, excited about. So I'm, I'm, I'm impressed and I'm excited for you. It's so cool to thank see you. you out there. You inspire me, by the oh, way, thank your you. name, your name says it all. But, <laughs> thank you. But no, I, I appreciate you. And the moment we met in the green room yeah. before we went on with the girls on, yeah. on good things, Utah, I'm like, I, I can't, I'm typically quiet. I'll just hang out in the green room. I won't talk right. to anybody. I won't right, bother them. Yeah. <laughs> and you came in. I'm like, no, nope, this is happening. Oh, you and Frankie from 97.1. Yes. You know Frankie? Uh -huh. He was there that day, yep. right? Uh -huh. Yeah. So we went on yeah. together. And yep. it's so wild because you say, you know, what happens if you don't address these things? What happens if these hard things don't happen to you and you don't decide to use them as jet fuel? Yeah. I, man, Frankie got me through some of the hardest years yeah. of my life. Their morning show is amazing. And I had reached Absolutely. out to this, you know, I'd like launched a company and I reached out, I'm like, Hey, we guys feature us. I never got anywhere with their like, you know, getting on the show and then in walks Frankie one day <laughs> and I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Todd and Frankie. Oh, and then we man. all go on together, yeah. you know, uh, Frankie was, and I, and, yeah. and a guy named Josh that I used to work with in the foundation. And now, you know, Frankie and I go to lunch once a month, somebody who I idolized and that looked up so to. Cool. And, and so, yeah, life can be so amazing working with the jazz. Why aren't we going to lunch, bear, dude? We should. I know. We need to. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm in. I'm putting it on. We're, we, I, we can't get out of it now. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Are you a sushi guy? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Good. Absolutely. Good. Well, yeah, it's it's a, you know, it's a blessing to be sitting here with you. Um, I get choked up when I think about it because all the things you've struggled with, I've been there myself as well. Um, that's why I do what I do. So I just want you to know, man, I'm impressed. Uh, we need people like you. I'm impressed by you. I want to know more about you. Um, the list goes on. I want to ask you one final question here. If there's someone right now listening to your voice or watching you right now on 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 this, and they're struggling, they're in a dark place, what would you tell that one person right now? Um, if If there's anything at all, you know, I, I used to get people saying your smile after everything you've been through. Just please keep posting positive things. Please keep posting that yeah. smile. Yeah. And 
I'm so happy. Now I'm in, now I'm shaken up by this because, you know, for a long time, I just thought my, my hand that I've been dealt is just unhappiness and it's okay. And I'm fine. And I allowed a lot of people to come in between me and real happiness. And I've never been more happy, more full of joy, able to receive love. And man, I have some amazing people in my life now, um, receiving love from men, friendship from men and support from men was impossible for me because I couldn't trust any man that had ever been in my life. Right. And so regardless of what it is and what's interesting is I feel like I've had this peppering of trauma in so many categories. So I feel qualified in a way to say, you know, not everything, but almost anything that you've been through, you've overcome, I've overcome, other men have overcome and are overcoming. I just witnessed 50 men go through the most incredible metamorphosis and transformation. So reach out to me, reach out to you, reach out to somebody. There, there are so many incredible days ahead Mm -hmm. and I'm telling you the happiness. These are, these are happy tears because had I given up and quit on everything when I, when I wanted to the one or two times where I feel like everyone would be better off without me. And I'll never get out of this hole that I've dug myself into. Um, luckily, it was fleeting for me. I'm grateful every single day that I didn't give up. Yeah. My relationship with God is amazing. My relationship with myself is amazing. My relationship with <clears throat> my kids. And now they don't have to worry about yeah. what it's like to navigate life with a dad who wow. who quit on them. So keep going. You're, you're so incredibly powerful. Whatever you're going through now is trusted to you and it's happening for you. I know that sounds so hard in the moment, but once you get past that thing, you will, you will have the opportunity for the most incredible, unbelievable life to meet your heroes and work with them and accomplish whatever it is that you want to accomplish. And everything will have that much more meaning. It's a really incredible opportunity to give yourself and it's on offer for everybody. Wow. Beautifully said. Thank you for answering that question. Yeah. That's a tough question. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that's beautiful, man. Thank you so much, Sean. And love what you do. I'm just impressed. Like I said, Uh, I know everyone listening to this and watching this today are just going to walk away from this going, okay, I got to do something different. Cause if you are struggling do, you're going to have to do something different. Yeah. And that's what you've done. You know, you took you took the hand you were dealt, even though it was hard in the beginning. But now look what you're doing. Now you're loving hard, which is amazing. <laughs> I love the logo. It looks amazing. And um, I'm just grateful to be able to rub shoulders with you. Um, I feel the exact same. I can't wait for lunch. Yes, we're going to do it. Okay, we're going to do it. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for taking the time. There you go, folks. I told you this was going to be a great one, and it did not disappoint. Thank you for being here. Again, thanks for believing in me, believing in this cause, supporting this. Please share this with anyone you know who is struggling. Share the link to this. To, let's get this out to as many people as we possibly can. We are growing. We're, we're you know, ranked in the top 100 in mental health. We are, we are really doing some good things, but it's not because of me. It's because of people like Sean that I bring on, and they share these stories, and they inspire us to be better. So please be better. Know that I love you. Um, one last thing, Sean. I have a quote on the wall by Pablo Picasso. Would you mind reading that? Yeah. The meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. Yeah. How appropriate <laughs> is this? I mean, that's exactly what you're doing. You have found what you're good at. You have found that gift, and now you're giving it away. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for that. You bet. Love you guys. Until next time, take care. Take care.